I think that pop-up said, are you ready to record the podcast? No. And you just hit not now. Not now. Not now. (laughs) Serenity now. Okay now. Welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the storyboard media to you. I figure we've done it enough times now that we've just established ourselves as an well, example of ourselves. the first time? Okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess it has kind of crossed that line of pop culture. Did you want me to go with the boss hog to your Cletus? <laughs> uh, well, there you go. I'll, there we we'll go. Take that. We'll, do, we'll do one of those. Um, let's see. Today we are going to talk about ways to reimagine the testimonial video. How long ago, or how, how long have we been kind of uh, scratching at this? I believe I wrote a blog post. So however long ago since we stopped writing blog posts, <laughs> since you and I stopped writing blog posts, um, I believe we were working out of the frontier when I yeah. wrote that. So yeah. that means it's been at least five years, six years, um, trying to figure out how to get past the old standard what t- talk to me about your disdain for for s- f- this type of video? I will right after I uh, briefly introduce the name of our new totally not fake oh, okay. sponsor. Okay, because this week we have a new totally not fake sponsor. Um, we'll hear their full spot later, but this week's totally not fake sponsor is the podcast sponsor Clearinghouse. Okay, <laughs> really just going. <laughs> Super generic on this one, huh? I know. I believe it's <laughs> called this? Super Meta. Or, okay. Yes. This is a very meta episode. In fact... We're about to do a testimonial we're about to for do a testimony. Storyboard Media. <laughs> okay. So, why must we reinvent the testimonial video? What is my disdain for the testimonial video? My disdain for the testimonial video is, was, always has been, kind of stems from just the complete lack of originality um that that so often goes into capturing a customer's story. Mm-hmm. So lay it out for me. What is a what is it 90% of the testimonials out there look like? 90% of the testimonials um <clears throat> have like one oh. camera and the subject, so like the client or whatever is talking to an off-camera maybe that's a little bit far, but like an off-camera interviewer like news style, and there be they've been asked interview questions about so what has it been like to work with insert company name here, mm-hmm. um, whatever, and so they say oh working with so and so has just been such a wonderful experience, and I mean just wash rinse repeat it's just it's it's you low forgot hanging. to mention the the shitty B roll that as a result of like being on set they're like oh get get them typing get yes. them typing on the computer a little over the shoulder get them uh oh walking down the hallway with yeah. something in their hands we've all done it of course right it feels like one of those things that you do when you're figuring out how to make video and then you like move on from it and and yet there's so few other ways that it's been tried um, it, it's just become an epidemic of a lack of creativity and, and ingenuity and innovation and 
it's just doing the same thing over and over again because that's what's been done. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, that kind of stuff just doesn't typically sit well with me. But I also think, right, it's it's not interesting, it's not engaging, it's, I mean, you start watching it, and, and I think any viewer's mind is just like, oh, another one of these. Um, yes. You're, you're not, you're, you're completely missing out on the opportunity to show and tell, because you're not doing anything visually interesting, uh, you're just letting the client talk. Um and again, I kind of get it. I mean, for people who haven't done video, it's so prevalent and it seems so easy, and it is easy, that it just feels like, and, and, and don't get me wrong, there's value in hearing customers and clients, successes, results, experiences, whatever. Yeah. My objection is with this execution of communicating mm -hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm the one who gets the call and someone says, hey, we want to do a couple testimonials. And, and I'm like, great, video project, let's hear about it. And so they'll send me an example or something. And it's, I, I just imagine there's a marketing meeting probably about four months ago. They said, we really got to gotta make some waves. We got to stand out this year and all these big ambitions. And then they're like, okay, great. So why don't we, why don't we make video? Why don't we allocate money towards video? And then they say, great. They'd allocate X amount of dollars towards video. And then nothing happens for month one. Nothing happens in month two. And then in month three, they talk to uh, a video agency or some producer or something who has some really great idea of like how to use that 50 grand for video. And then they bring it to the decision makers and the decision makers like, I, I was thinking just something more like some testimonials. Mm -hmm. And then they walk everything back about making waves and then they just check the box for doing video. And like, well, what's the most accessible video example I can think of? Testimonials, okay, great. We have three customers who like us. Let's see if we can get them to come here or film them while we're at whatever event. Um, and it just ends up like every, it, it feels like every time we are asked to make a video like that, it's because everybody across the board is settling for the bare minimum. Yes. I, I just remembered another thing that I hate about them is it's because the, the marketer doesn't have to come up with any messaging. You're putting mm -hmm. all of the messaging responsibility on your client mm -hmm. because these are not even constructed in a way to ask them the questions in a specific way to get a certain answer that you want them to get because these also probably haven't had pre-interviews done, but I think we addressed that in a different episode. Um, it's, I don't know how to communicate our product, service, brand, whatever. So, so let's wing it. Let's... <laughs> Ask someone who is outside of this company, who is a customer of ours, why the fuck they chose to be a customer of ours. Mm -hmm. Maybe that'll start to give us some hints as to why people buy from us. Mm -hmm. Which is depressing. And handy. <laughs> yes. And and very convenient when it comes to shirking responsibility. Um, that may be the far end of the spectrum. They're also, they're also, that style at least is quick to make very inexpensive or can be very inexpensive um 
and you could probably find anybody's nephew who can operate a camera and a mic to make these happen. Yeah. And it just reminds me of the local news. Yeah. Or at best 60 minutes. Yeah. Which it, for any of you who don't know what 60 minutes is. It's, it's not a, a marketing it's, piece. It's not. <laughs> um it's a documentary style project. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a news style project. What are clients trying to get out of a video like this? Out of out of a um testimonial from a client. Well, there's like there's a lot, right? There's yeah. a lot that, that they're trying to pack into this. Yeah, I I think um to be a little bit less cynical than some of the other part of the discussion, I think a big element of it, honestly, is they recognize that their prospects and yet to be clients need some form of social proof. Mm -hmm. If we invoke the law of diffusion of innovations again, um, as we have on several episodes, as you move from the early adopters all the way through to laggards, kind of everybody needs more social proof like as you jump from group to group uh the innovators the early adopters the early majority the late majority the laggards whatever maybe i'm missing one in there um as you kind of cross the chasm from one group to the next that next group just needs more risk mitigation they need more social proof they need to see more than the people in the group before them that this worked for someone else. Mm -hmm. They're willing to take less risk. So one of the interesting things there is that if you're moving from, let's say, early adopters to early majority, you've got early majority who now need to hear lots of examples of clients having success with this product or service. And you've got a whole bunch of customers sitting there who were early adopters. Mm -hmm who actually like to be recognized for the risk that they were right, taking. I was also. just going to ask, can't you just achieve that by putting a bunch of logos on your site? You Well, for some people, yes. But again, as you, um, as you get more and more market share, more and more market adoption, it's that much harder to make each additional sale with the same amount of information. So a logo might be enough for someone who's an early adopter, but the early majority, it's not just enough to see a logo. They want to see a case study or a testimonial. They want, they want some kind of hearing it from the horse's mouth, as it were, as to this was the experience, whether that was, this is how it helped me personally. Uh, the This is the problem that we had, and, and this is how this solution worked, and these are the results that we got. There can be all kinds of different ways to communicate that, and all kinds of different levels of detail that your prospects are looking for. But fundamentally, it's this either understanding or assumption that your next buyers need to hear more stories of success than your previous buyers yep. have. Yep. We've all been there. Yeah. So, so do, you, do you feel like 90% of the testimonials that you see don't achieve those objectives? Or is it just more of like a haphazard, like, oh, we stumbled into some facts and figures that we didn't yeah, potentially I, know? Yeah, I think for me, and I think maybe this is subconsciously for, for some casual video viewers or, or even professional video viewers, when you, when you see that, that news style setup, that interview setup, 
And in the first couple lines, you can get a sense of how deeply they're going to be talking. Like, Mm -hmm. are you setting up a story that I might be interested in? Yep. Are you going to lead with a result that I want to listen more to hear how you got? Like, is there something there or is that visual look and then just kind of somebody talking for the sake of talking? I'm not going to watch anymore. And maybe I'm missing some of that valuable information. But for me, if it doesn't have that hook, if it doesn't have that more concrete, I'm just putting in some effort to try to get get and keep someone's attention. I don't even watch it. Mm-hmm. So I can't even say that I know whether or not 90% of them are communicating that information. They're certainly not doing it in an engaging and interesting way. Sure. So they're, they're not structuring those stories. If they are trying to tell a story, in fact, uh, they're not structuring those in a way that gets you interested. And don't it's, get me wrong. There are ways to tell stories with data-driven case studies. For too. sure. Yeah. Um, and it could just be as simple as, as starting with the end and saying, you know, and when we look back and actually ran the numbers, we got a 10x return on our initial investment, and that blew our minds. If that was like the first six seconds of a testimonial video, I and, and I were interest and I were reviewing that product or service for something that I might buy for my company, I'd certainly want to listen more. Yeah. If if a specific return on investment was something that was important to me, I'd e- I'd even like to hear something like kind of where the the drama heightens, like, and that's when our CMO resigned. And so I knew I had yeah. to make a choice Yeah, and then cut to logo, right? Like something engaging, yeah. like, oh shit, she was in a, she was in a real shit show. Let's figure out how she got out of it. How yeah. this product or service helped her get on you know, this episode of this not boring testimonial video. <laughs> yeah. So I know I, I'm, I'm just more cynical about testimonial videos, but I'm interested in some of your thoughts too. I have a disdain for it because it's something that's been done and yeah. it's the easy answer. And I want to do something that pushes boundaries that, yeah. you know, has the potential for failure. And <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe my prospects don't want to hear that. Yeah. But it's also going to be something that helps you stand out. And you're going to have, a, if you're using these as retargeting campaigns or um, sales tools or whatever, you're, you need to have something that sets you apart. And video can certainly do that. But a lot of times people are making the choice just to fit in. And it's sad. Yeah. I just had a flash of another type of testimonial video that kind of fits into this, right? It's that same like interviewer just off camera kind of approach, mm-hmm. um, which just to explain, if I'm looking here, I feel like we've done this in multiple episodes. If I'm looking into the lens and I'm essentially making eye contact with the viewer, that has some level of connection and intimacy or whatever right it's like visceral i'm speaking to you but the weird thing is if i just go a little bit off axis and i'm speaking to somebody who's not you it's just that it's just that much more impersonal yeah imagine somebody making eye contact with your shoulder for an entire conversation right you're like what the fuck are you looking at what hump um what (laughs) It's a, it's a uh, reference. It's a reference. It's a reference. Right. Um, young Frankenstein. Ah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I still got to see that. I, so I had this flash of like this almost like this supercut 
of boring testimonial where you're at an industry event. So you're getting as you're many in a noisy people. Hallway. You're in a noisy hallway with a busy background. You get as many of your clients in their branded shirts yep. with their lanyards yep. coming up to give you like five minutes where they're talking to an intern mm-hmm. who's got a list of like six questions. Yep. And they're the same six questions to everybody. Yep. And you can tell that someone said, well, we'll figure it out in the edit. Yeah. Because all that they had to work with was something that could only be figured out in the edit. And that has varying mm-hmm. levels of success. Yeah. Another great way is to waste a yep. bunch of money. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. Um, we'll make it in post. <laughs> I think is, is that. And what I just described, everybody who was listening has seen before. I even out of the corner of my eye saw <clears throat> Michael nodding as I was starting to describe it. I like I saw a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or something that said fix it in pre. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah. that because because everyone says fix it in post and a lot of times it's said as a joke, but when it's not said is when it's usually actually being employed. Like yeah. I don't yeah. want to say this out loud cuz I don't want to seem yeah. like I didn't plan anything, but yeah. we're going to go ahead and fix that in post. Well, let's just get both. And that way yeah. we've got options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, translate. Let's let the editor solve it. Fix it. Yeah. Post. <laughs> Great. We've gotten a lot of this like this out, right? We've kind of pushed it aside. Uh, now let's find like let's find that solution. Let's help our our oh, listeners. I have no solutions. Okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so only presenting problems here. here. <laughs> we've employed a couple different techniques that we found to be interesting, successful, and hasn't caught this rapid market adoption so i think you still have an opportunity to make to make these as a producer or as a the client side of things and actually have more meaningful content yeah let's take a moment to break down it now that we've talked about what they've become mm-hmm. that kind of lowest common denominator mm-hmm. or um you know slapdash kind of thrown together not thought through We'll fix it and post whatever these versions of these things. Um, let's unpack all that and think about what it is we're actually trying to accomplish by sharing the by using our customers and clients to talk about our product, our service, the features, the benefits, the results, all those kinds of things. What is it when we take away all the poor executions of it? What is it where, where testimonials actually provide value? At its, at its simplest level, it's about, I mean, I think it's showing that somebody has used your product uh, or service. I think it's them being able to share facts or figures that help quantify the experience. Um, I think that there's emotional sides to the story that can help qualify or, or like provide some sort of like aspiration or like, oh yeah, I, I feel that problem every time I go into the office if I only had mm-hmm. something. Um, but I think in even perhaps more advanced, like I think a great opportunity for a uh, testimonial is to show innovative ways that people are using your products mm-hmm. uh, to show that it's not like, yes, this is our main feature set and 80% of our users use it for that. But these ones, these, these outsiders have done something really interesting with our product and we want to highlight them because it was 
their ideas, their innovation, their thoughts that maybe opened up a whole bunch of new opportunities for our company. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. It gets me thinking about selecting who should participate in your testimonials. Mm, that That is very important. It's not just the guy who's wearing a branded T-shirt right. down the hallway, yeah. right? Right. I think this is where there's no blanket answer. This is where you have to think about what it is you're trying to to accomplish with your own testimonial videos. And I'm going to say videos because also I don't know that there's just one story that can satisfy broad swaths of the audience yep. too. Everybody has slightly different motivations for um, maybe they're using a competitor's product that it's just gotten really expensive. Mm -hmm. And so they need to find an alternative. Maybe somebody's been using a competitor's product and all of a sudden something has changed within um, a new CMO came in or something and said, um, these are the metrics we track now and the platform you were using doesn't do those. I and mean, there are all kinds of different reasons that somebody could be looking to adopt a new product or service. And so one, I think it's always good to take multiple subjects with different reasoning behind each mm -hmm. subject. So like you were saying before about having the logos on your website, mm -hmm. you may choose one or two participants because they are the most recognizable brands mm -hmm. in your customer's space. You may um, choose someone because you have a really good relationship with them and you know that they've got a really good story to tell uh, about from an emotional personal standpoint mm -hmm. you may choose someone else as a subject because they're really good at tracking data and they've got really clear demonstrable data that shows the impact of adopting your platform I think or whatever what you're getting as when some of the most interesting story and ultimately what you're doing here with a testimonial is helping to tell a story yeah and some of the best stories from our childhood from hollywood from from all over have more than one character in it right yeah and so it's important to show especially like let's say you're selling software which is most of our clients and i imagine listeners there's not there's oftentimes it's not just one person interfacing with that software right there's the person who's in it daily for uh data entry and then there's other people who are extracting information from that and other people who are uh, building integrations for it. Um, so there's a lot of people that are involved in these stories. And certainly a lot of people involved in the buying decisions too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there's one thing that is almost a cardinal rule about the B2B buying process is that there's more than one person making a decision mm -hmm. with very few exceptions. Um, and so even with the same product and, and the same features and benefits, you still have to position them to people who are looking for different reasons to buy. Mm -hmm. Whether whether it's an advocate who might be that end user but doesn't have any decision-making ability, um, the person who's supposed to make the recommendation for this is the solution to our problem, but who's reporting that up to maybe the executive who has the ultimate buying authority. Mm -hmm. I, those three audiences are going to be looking for very different things from each other it's True, that you could with not even in multiple companies. I mean, you could even pick one person representative of each of those personas within one client mm -hmm. and get their insights right. on why they bought it, how they use it, all those things, and put 
those specific pieces in front of those specific potential buyers. So that's a great. So it's, that's great. So let's say maybe we're building um, we're building a, a shoot day here, and we've got four different characters that all play a role in this story. Um, there are some other characters who may be important as well, even if they don't work there. But maybe it's um, some of, some vendors who have to also interact with that, mm-hmm. or maybe it's. Um, Maybe it's somebody on your team. Like if you if you're the one producing the, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of groups here. If you're I'm the just one nodding, if you're the one producing, so let's say your company X, you want to get company Y to talk about your product and that experience. There might be somebody from your company, company X, who is also greatly involved in the process and helping them yes. onboard yes. or manage them from a like a yeah weekly monthly basis. Um, providing some reporting or insights, whatever. So there, think outside the box. There are a lot of different people who may interact with this product, and it, it can be very helpful. So if you're building out a shoot day, let's try and maybe get six or seven interviews. Yeah. Or, or I don't know if I don't even know if interview is the right step yet, but mm. identifying characters, I think, is what we're, the, the place yeah. we're at right now. And I think there are also different degrees of interviews. There are... I've got five questions that I'm going to ask everybody mm-hmm. to having done multiple pre-interviews with multiple subjects, knowing exactly which stories and anecdotes and data points and results you want them to to share with you, but in a kind of organic fashion. That, that means that you've got a different list of interview questions for every subject. Yep. Potentially. So there's there's a lot of... A lot of room in between those two ends of the spectrum. Let's pause there because I think what we're about to get to is uh, categories of different types of testimonials that we have produced or have ideas for or have seen. Um, so let's take a break. Okay. Let's hit up our sponsor. All right. And we'll jump back into this. Okay. Uh, this episode's podcast sponsor is the Podcast Sponsor Clearinghouse. Do you have a podcast? course you do do you want your podcast to seem like it has enough listeners to have attracted the attention of sponsors willing to pay to advertise on it well look no further because the podcast sponsor clearinghouse has flipped the script for a modest fee paid by podcast producers the podcast sponsor clearinghouse will provide copy for up to one one fake sponsors spot per podcast episode so if you want your podcast to sound like it's sponsored by wolford brimley's mustache wax or waffles contact the podcast sponsor clearinghouse today we wow. may be the podcast sponsor <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay yeah. so it's like a side hustle this is a side hustle this is um revenue diversity we better uh yes good, good way to put it yeah um, spinoff well david uh ramp up the yeah. writing staff i um i imagine this will get a lot of attention yeah Okay, so should we finally maybe reveal some of the potential alternatives to the staid, boring, everybody's seen it a million times testimonial? Yeah. All right, go for it. This one uh, isn't actually on the list, but it just popped into my head as we started rolling. you can't use anything on the list. You have to make up new ideas right now. Okay. Um, Good. So one of them, uh, I don't have a name for it, but it's... Cletus. It's great. So let's say you've emailed 
a dozen of your clients saying, I need a, you know, 200 character testimonial uh, from you guys. So you take that, those words, those, that's scripted stuff. And now you hire an actor. Okay. And you, you really lean into like, I don't know what you're selling and you probably have to make it relevant. And maybe it's uh, maybe yeah. it's even a character you've employed before. Um, but in, for one of our like concepts that we pitched a while back, it was putting somebody just overly attractive. And like, I think we had a guy for one of mm-hmm. these and a girl for the other, um, putting them in this like, you know, beautiful scenario whether it's like a bearskin rug yeah fireplace cherries you know chocolate strawberries or feels a little more problematic than when we pitched it a few years ago (laughs) but i'll I'll allow it but having them read off very seductively this just basic testimonial about a software product or something Mm -hmm. i mean it's about capturing attention but also sharing the the true honest words from a client and i think that's a key point is they really should be the actual words from yeah that says i had hmm, i was working with someone early in my freelance career who and and this is an example of what not to do okay when when gathering testimonials from clients like that where this particular person actually decided that the easiest way to get as many back as possible was he wrote the testimonials for them and asked them to say yes you can put my name on this I really don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the the thinking that it'd be easier to, like, you're more likely to get somebody to say, yes, you can put my name on this than to come up with those 200 words or whatever. Yeah. Well, at least he wasn't being or lazy and characters. trying to figure out what they're, you know, why people actually liked his product, like you were saying. Sure. So I, I would stay away from inauthentic testimonials or very much editing testimonials i i uh that's what b-roll's for (laughs) well cut (laughs) yeah i mean just there's a there's a level of authenticity that needs to come through in all of this Mm -hmm. and i think that's i i think that's something that we didn't necessarily have in any of our notes but you can find ways to polish the delivery of it but there still has to be that element of truth to it being someone else's words talking about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's important. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't do exactly what you just described, which is, right, and to go even further, one of the most successful ways that we've ever asked for testimonials before was you sent an email to dozens, dozens of, of clients and maybe were never clients but contractors and and prospects who we had a good relationship with even if we never had you know a client vendor relationship and i believe the way you positioned it was can you take 30 seconds and just write right now right now just write what it's like to work with us Mm -hmm. two-thirds of the people you wrote to probably responded that was one of the best days of my life. I felt well, so good. It's a good ego day. It was to hear better than when my children were born. I felt. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was amazing to hear that. Yeah. Well, it's because you had a whole bunch of people talking about your first child and saying good things about your first child. Uh huh. This company. Yeah. What? Mo- mommy, daddy. Oh. Mommy, got daddy. It. I don't think they need to. Okay. No. It's, it's uh. 
same sex marriage. <laughs> sure. I'm yeah. bad. It's 2022. That's true. Uh, yeah, but it was 2014 when this child was born. Things were different then. Mm-hmm. Where were we? That was an example of uh, mine, at least, was like a, kind of a there's an actor, but it's leaning into the fact that you're using an actor to tell real stories uh, yeah. and just making it overtly sexual or eye, <laughs> a bunch of eye candy just to get people to. I mean, it's basic and it's it's silly. Yeah. But for, if it's if it's party if that your brand can pull that off, then that might work. Uh, I don't imagine a lot of software companies. Very similarly, you could hire a comedian to do the same thing if you want to like focus on brand personality or something mm-hmm. like that. If you're going to hire an actor, hire a comedian and have them improv. Have them or candidly write say they asked me to punch of, up some of these yeah. <laughs> testimonials. Yeah. Right. So it, you, the core of it is the testimonial itself, but then you know. They add some kind of stupid punchline yeah. to it, or okay. Or so we are whatever. making these up on the spot. We are. <laughs> okay. Now we are. Well, um, there are some that we have done that have been received very warmly and, and sure. worked well. So let's let's get into some of those. So I think the one of the biggest aha moments we had on this came a little over a year ago um, in a springboard for a client, and we had identified that. Um, like most, I mean, it's not necessarily unique, but we had identified that their audiences needed both to understand because they were largely small businesses and like entrepreneurial type businesses where it was, you know, an owner founder with a small staff, whatever, that we wanted to speak to these kind of entrepreneurial stories, these growth stories, and the way that our clients kind of helped companies manifest that growth and how if it weren't for our client they couldn't have grown at the way that they grew or the company as it is today wouldn't exist if it weren't for our client but we also knew that they wanted to get into bigger and bigger companies which were going to rely more on the data part of it the results part Mm -hmm. and so um it occurred to us that one of the things that testimonials do a really good jo- job of independently, potentially, is speaking to both the head with data-driven, analytical, logic, problem, solution, results, mm-hmm. case studies type things in the client's words, but also the heart of it where a founder, and entrepreneur could talk about how their baby wouldn't be what it is today if it weren't for mm-hmm. this product, this service, you know, our client, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And so we started positioning that as a single concept that was the head and the heart. And we take the opportunity to um, create two anchor videos with one sit down interview. Mm-hmm. One piece was the very case study driven analytical piece and one piece was the more emotional storytelling piece of it about impact personal impact emotional response Mm -hmm. things like that instead of just jumbling all this stuff together which is what we end up seeing a lot of times yeah uh it's it's pulling apart these stories and making it accessible for different audiences Maybe the decision maker wants to see the case study stuff, yeah. and then the person who's like the end user who's going to be using it on a daily basis, 
the individual contributor, they want to know how easy it is to use a product and why it makes their job easier. Yep. Yeah, and so it's really as simple as just taking that moment to take the beat and say, what type of information can we convey? And if it's as simple as the emotional versus the, the analytical, well, let's not try to throw those into one video. Mm -hmm. Let's separate those out into two yep. distinctly different pieces of content that could speak to two distinctly different audiences. Mm -hmm. Another one that we did, and you even participated in them, uh, in one of them, mm -hmm. um, started not as deliberately, um, but more a function of a large group of client testimonials we were trying to get at a user conference. We ended up with um, a client that we were scheduled to interview whose plane was delayed, and we knew there was a good story there because we'd done the pre-interviews with the client, so we were able to grab that client's account manager mm -hmm. uh, at our client and at least have that person talk about what that story was, how have they used their product, what was and in that in that more impromptu conversation what ended up interesting is that the account manager started talking about the relationship that they had mm -hmm. with that individual who was the primary point of contact at their clients so when our uh client's client actually did finally arrive and we were able to get him interviewed on the fly we took a little bit of a spin and asked him about his account manager mm -hmm. And we ended up with this great kind of surprise, playful. unexpected, playful split screen piece where the two of them were able to talk about their working relationship. And they, 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 they shared the same anecdotes, but with their own slightly right. different perspective. They talked about each other in very similar ways. Um, with one of them, we said, so-and-so said this about you. And he said, oh, he did, did he? And then, you know, followed up with, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of... And it was very playful. It was, but it really reinforced uh, not not as much just the client's experience, but their relationship with yep. their account manager. And these, these, so and since then, and that was almost accidental. Yep. Uh, we we decided on the spot, like, well, it could be good for the story, but it was. We'll fix it. it was, post and see if it works. <laughs> it was accidental. Otherwise, we would have had an open slot that we just wouldn't have filmed anything. Right. So we said, yeah, throw them in there. Uh, but since making that, that was that was a very fun piece. And since then, we've employed that with a, several other clients, specifically client uh, of ours who have service-related uh, products. Um, so where there's like, a, you know, whether it's like weekly check-ins or if there's like actual, like if, like we we would probably employ something like that for a testimonial mm -hmm. because we have a, a daily or weekly uh, relationship with our clients. And it's a very collaborative, it back is. and forth, shared experience where we're working together toward one goal as opposed mm -hmm. to somebody bought a license for a piece of software. And But we've even done that with product like software-based companies through talking about the onboarding experience. So if sure. you can find those opportunities where there is collaboration happening, you can make some very uh, rich pieces of content where there's client side and uh, 
software side or whatever it is. And and so we just recently did a series of four videos for a client that we went into them knowing that we were going to basically do this two-in-one interview where we were going to interview the client and their account manager uh, separately. But because we knew we were going to put them side by side, we had to do the work up front to understand what the relationship was, what the stories were, what the success stories were, what were some of their inside jokes. Those kinds of things came out, and we were able to do very separate, very specific, separate interviews where we didn't have the account manager and the client sitting together being mm -hmm. interviewed. We very deliberately did them in different times and different places, but we knew that we were working toward both of them playing off each other. Mm -hmm. And so I don't almost even want to call it the interview, but the conversation that we had with each of the subjects while filming was very directed and very driven and used the entirety of the research that was done in the pre-interviews. And so it was basically, we went to our our client and, and their account manager and said, what can you tell me about your contact there, mm -hmm. the company, the experiences, whatever. Then we went to that person and said, here's some of the things that we've heard. What can you tell us? What about so-and-so? Oh, she told you about that? Ha, ha, mm -hmm. ha, whatever. And then another kind of final round of pre-interviews just to get everything set so that when we actually did each individual interview, when it was edited, it was very natural to put it together as almost a back and forth conversation between the two. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really interesting too, because I think there's an emotional and aspirational angle of that, even if they're talking about return on investment or leads per month or you know whatever KPI you want to measure, it kind of came across as like, ooh, I want to have a, relation, a work relationship with someone yeah. like that. Yep. And that becomes that stickiness. Especially when that service or that product has become commoditized, that, yes. that type of relationship becomes the crux of the decision-making yeah. process. Yeah. What happens if you can't get participation from the subject? It's not a novel idea, but you can make a, a video case study. So you can still provide social proof without a client's participation as long as you get permission to use the case study, even if you can't use the client's name mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, companies for decades have still been creating case studies that don't require the client's participation because you know enough about the results. You have enough data on your mm -hmm. side. You have enough of your part of the experience. You know, right, because the basic structure of a case study is problem, solution, results. Mm -hmm. You don't, in a lot of cases, you don't have to have client participation to tell you that because if you were involved in the process, I don't want to say the right way, but in a way that lends itself to a case study, you know what problem they presented with, mm -hmm. what problem you diagnosed, mm -hmm. what solution you suggested as the prescription. You can then go through how you executed and manifested that solution that you had suggested. And if you've got the kind of analytical or even anecdotal, uh, anecdotal relationship where you know the results, you can then share the results without 
necessitating client involvement. Mm-hmm. So if there are whatever the issue may be. I imagine like Palantir can't show some of their clients because of security reasons. Right. You can still take a traditional case study, a one-sided case study, that from our perspective, this is what we did for our clients, and make that into a video. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's likely more interesting than a written, written case out study. case study sure. would be anyway. Even and and it could be, it could be all animation with a little bit of VO. It could be, um, it could be the account manager um, talking about their side. You know, when we first met so and so, they stated that they needed to do this, this, and this. But after undergoing our discovery sessions, uh, what we really were able to uncover was that um, their primary goals were actually that, that, and that. Mm -hmm. Um, As a result of that, and they're agreeing that 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 was valid, uh, we proposed to do this, at which point we underwent the process to whatever, and three months later we launched the whatever, Mm -hmm. website, video project, uh, their app, whatever. That can, those can be a lot more easily accomplished because you don't have to rely on external parties and so if you know that your product solves three particular use cases, just crank those out, like yeah. make them. Um, In fact, knowing that you could do that would probably have been a really good idea for a lot of people at the beginning of the pandemic when they were panicking. I can't get to my clients. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just write the case study without them and turn that into a video. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit of an oversimplification there. On that, and and I, you kind of mentioned Palantir, one of the things that Palantir did has done that is really interesting is they actually have a a product or a platform that they're developing and I can't tell if they're looking for a pilot client or if they've if they've created something but they can't share who their client is I can't tell what the scenario is but there's literally fine print at one point of this testimonial video where it indicates that that this example is a notional case study and not representative of an actual It's like an idealized use. scenario. So imagine. Where no problems in, <laughs> came up. Imagine if you had complete, this is almost like the inverse of, we don't know what to say about our product, so we'll let our customers say it. Yeah. This is like, we know everything we want our customers to think that our product does. So let's create a notional case study of an idealized scenario to show what's possible, Mm -hmm. to show what somebody could do if they bought this, or we could work together as a pilot client or whatever. So I had, that had never even occurred to me until we were watching some Palantir videos as a reference for a client. And another thing that that they did also was before we realized that one of their particular videos was this no, this notional case study, this kind of idealized, fictionalized potential case study, it looked and felt um, different than one of those standard mm-hmm. just talking to an interviewer off camera and some B-roll because they had some very simple graphics 
that were almost like video game HUD display graphics. But when you took that layer away, it was literally some a talking head talking to an interviewer off camera mm -hmm. and some stock video in there as B-roll. And it just had a completely different feel because they stylized it that much by putting this like military HUD kind of light graphic element on every frame that just gave it a sense of I don't know it was just different enough that it pattern interrupted enough but when you took that one layer away it was what we were railing on at the beginning of this episode I like this, this idea of a notional case study uh, if you are launching a new product or service because a lot of times brands feel like they get pigeonholed and this is an opportunity to expand your brand in front of somebody by telling a story uh even though it's fiction like i think that you, i think you can make it really fun too it could be argued i'm going to argue that it could be that could be the logical extension of meet jane jane's a sysadmin at acme corp mm-hmm that other whole style of video that we have we have railed on for years mm -hmm. like those are are a step away from being yeah. a notional case study almost because yeah. they're this kind of like I, idealized. idealized kind of scenario she's got this pain point this pain point and this pain point yep and, and in, by using this solution in happy-go-lucky land everything worked out <laughs> yes and everything was yeah. perfect because this is an notional case study. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to put a layer of, I don't want to say reality, you'd have to put another layer of something on there, and maybe it's just as simple as taking out the ukulele music from the <laughs> Me Jane video. Keep the um, claps. Keep the claps. One more um, that comes to mind is simply breaking the, the mold in going from talking to somebody off camera, and you've already mentioned this, mm -hmm. to dr speaking directly to camera. And it's a five-degree shift that makes a huge difference. Yeah, um, We did this, remember that project for Duke? Yes. Um, they asked us to do a, a project about a particular summer program that they had for uh, underprivileged or underrepresented uh, students and um, it would have been easy to 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 jump into this whole case study or like an emotional uh, storyline uh, through doc style hmm. but instead we we still had a lot of that type of b-roll of the of the I keep saying kids but they're adults yeah going through the program students learning what they're learning um, enjoying themselves in class in the field uh, but through, it was narrated and uh, um, laid out by the actual students talking to camera. So you got all of their perspectives, mm -hmm. but it, it made it that much more of an emotional connection because they were talking to their peer. To some, yes. Because the call to action for that was don't wait, sign up for this next year, yeah. sign up today, whatever it was. Yeah. And it was talking specifically to that to their peer, and it was so much more powerful to have them talking directly to them than it was to just uh, 
tell a story and then slap in a CTA on the end. Yeah. Especially when one of them cried. Yeah. That's, nice. A couple of them did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And it, and it kind of changed, it changes it exactly changes the subject, right? It, it's not, you know, it's not about Duke anymore. It, it's, it's about, not about you. Duke. It's about you and what you're potentially missing out on as opposed to this is a great program. You need to sign up for this program. Yeah, it, it no longer was it about look what Duke is doing yeah. uh, to help yeah. people. And and the call to action was so much stronger there because it's participants saying my life was changed. You change your life. Change your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd forgotten about that one. That was a good one. Some of these, it, that doesn't feel like a testimonial though either, does it? Right. But it was a very powerful. But I, I mean, I you could argue. I mean, yeah, maybe it's testimony versus testimonial. I, I mean, it's it's that personal. Uh, I'd love to get into the derivation of the word testimonial, but then I feel like there'd be crickets. So we've gone through why we hate <laughs> testimonial videos. We started with hate. I, I love which is a good place. To I start. love testimonial videos. I hate that everybody wants it yes. to look the same as everyone else. Yes, we are not saying don't share your clients' successes. Do do, just don't do it the same way that everybody else does don't it do and, the same and thing don't make them forgettable yeah I, in fact i would go so far as to say you're doing your clients you're disrespecting your clients by sharing their successes in a boring way and taking their time if you're gonna take their time and their commitment to sharing their story presented in a way that your audience is going to engage with yep there's go. your snippet right there so i think we got the ball rolling for some of our listeners i said just even, they're not even like 180s they're just tweaks right like five degree uh, that's what tweaks most of this or, is yeah and so uh i think hopefully ideally this this is just an inspiration to start keep scratching at that scratch that we've been scratching <laughs> for for eight years now and think about how you can do this differently i would love to see Examples. If somebody's out there listening who's done something very different uh, for a testimonial, I would love to see examples. I'd love to promote that. I would say, instead of getting into all of these remaining bullet points, I do feel like we have addressed how to get the most out of client interviews mm -hmm. in other in a previous yeah. episode. Yeah. I don't remember which episode, but I imagine it's magically popped Probably up like on the, the screen 30s, right now. Forties, thirties, forties, twenties, somewhere in there. Fifties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think if you, since this is toward the end of the episode, I think if you go into and review that episode with this context of even thinking about how you would be more deliberate, then I think that solves a lot of kind of the uh, tactical execution parts yeah. of, of how to do this kind of thing. Because I think a, a lot of what we talked about uh, pre-interviews, guided questions, having the conversation knowing where you're leading your subject, but also listening for where the story goes. All of those things do still apply when you're doing these more non-traditional mm -hmm. uh, customer stories, success stories, testimonials, whatever you may want to call them. Mm -hmm. Should we hear from our sponsor again? I don't know. Yeah. Do you have a podcast? Of course you do. Do you want your podcast to seem like it has enough listeners to have attracted the attention of sponsors willing to pay to advertise on it? Well, look no further because podcast sponsor Clearinghouse has flipped the script 
For a modest fee paid by podcast producers, the podcast sponsor Clearinghouse will provide copy for up to one one fake sponsor spot per podcast episode. So if you want your podcast to sound like it's sponsored by Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax or Waffles, contact the podcast sponsor Clearinghouse today. Two actual sponsors of this podcast. Of the podcast, yeah. Yeah. We should do a testimonial for them at some point. We we really should. Yeah. Um, I think a kind of old news style looking off camera to an interviewer would be appropriate for them. So that's this episode of the Video Reformation Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, Follow. I don't think we subscribe anymore. I think we follow podcasts now. Like, rate. Ratings would be good. But I recommend that everybody follow us on as many platforms as possible. Three or four would be good. Set up auto-downloads. Tell your mom. Right. Yeah. Or just take her phone next time you're visiting and subscribe for her.